Oh, my, my. Mmm, say, that's pretty swell. Gee, thanks. But, uh, don't it get a badge or something? Well, we'll see. You mean maybe it will? I shouldn't wonder. Make it a gold one? Maybe. Now remember, Pinocchio, be a good boy and always let your conscience be your guide. Goodbye, my lady. Goodbye. If you have watched the classic Walt Disney animation cartoon called Pinocchio, then you would recognize the sound of that character we just played for you. His name is Jiminy Cricket. The funny thing is that he speaks like a human being, and in English too. In reality though, crickets communicate in a much more clever manner, and that is what intrigued Sachit from grade 7. Hello everyone, and welcome back to the third episode of our Makerspace podcast, Staring into the Light, with Prashant, Pratik and Aaron. In this podcast, we will explore the fascinating and different ways in which living things communicate. Sachit asked, and I quote, I wonder if crickets sing or maybe even have ways of communication using chirps, end quote. That's a wonderful question, Sachit. So let's talk about it. Since we most often use our mouths to speak, we also tend to assume that other animals use their mouths when they create a sound. That's true to a certain extent, but there are a lot of different ways in which other living things communicate. Take crickets, for example. On the underside of their wings, there's a narrow line that has tiny teeth all lined up in a row. They're so small, you would need a microscope to see them clearly. And this narrow line is called a file. The cricket's outer lining of the wing also has a hardened edge, and that part is called a scraper. So when the cricket rubs its wings together, the scraper on the bottom wing rubs against the teeth of the top wing, and that is what creates the infamous sound we all hear at night. This whole technique is called stridulation, which just means rubbing specialized body parts against each other to create a sound. And it's usually used by insects, but there are a few other species that use it too, like some fishes, snakes, and even spiders. So imagine you took a metal file, you know, like the ones we have in our makerspace, and rubbed it against a piece of wood. That's close to the technique crickets use to make their sounds, or like such it called it, to make chirps. Now, would it be possible that crickets could sing? If you consider singing to be the ability to create a melodious tune for the listener, then in that sense, yes, crickets do sing. But perhaps the ones who perceive their sounds as a song are the other crickets themselves. Because for us humans, the sounds they make are more like a chirp and less like a song. Have you ever wondered why crickets go suddenly quiet when you approach them? While reading about crickets, I learned they do that because they're able to feel the slightest vibrations in the ground while you're walking, and so they end up mistaking you to be a predator. So the next time you try to approach one, make sure you go into cat mode. Come to think about it, isn't sound just vibrations that we pick up because we have an organ called the ear? That means what we feel as vibrations could be sound to a different creature. That's definitely something to think about. Let's listen to Pratik as he takes us through a journey of how we humans, as well as other creatures, use this fascinating medium of sound to talk to each other. Yes, Aaron. Sound is quite fascinating. Let's start with humans, who use sound in ways that we are most familiar with. Every day, 
We communicate using complex linguistic and musical systems. Yet these modern systems are the product of a much more ancient relationship with sound. When we speak, we communicate not only with the words we choose, but also with the patterns of sound we create and the movements that create them. For example, there is a Turkish village that has a secret language. They use a sophisticated system of whistling known as bird language. The high-pitched whistles help villages communicate across long and mountainous distances. When we cannot see, sound can be used to know where we are and to help us find our way. This can be as easy as listening for the sound of traffic if you're lost in the woods, or as sophisticated as using sonar to find sunken treasure or enemy vessels. There are certain animals, such as bats, that don't rely on their sense of sight very much at all. Living mostly in the dark, they use the reflections of their own sounds to know where they are. Monkeys warn other animals around them when they notice a tiger. This is interspecies communication. There's another example. The mantis shrimp uses a shockwave to knock out its prey. The shockwave produced by the shrimp is received as a threat by the other animals around and they immediately skitter away from it. But when you communicate with sounds, it only works if you know what that sound means. Why is it important to agree on the meanings of sounds? Well, imagine you asked a friend to lend you a pen and she gave you a rat's tail. You'd be upset, wouldn't you? Or imagine you want to tell your friend to move and give you space at the dining table. But all you can do is stand behind her and gurgle because you've lost your voice. She could roll her eyes at you or you may be able to have her understand what you want by a combination of gurgling and gesticulating. So, although language which is made up of commonly agreed on sounds called letters and words is very helpful for us to communicate complex thoughts, humans use informal sounds to communicate all the time. For example, hmm, uh-uh, etc. Try spelling these sounds, it'll be fun. Alright, so that's a lot of sound. I wonder why though. Prashant, what do you think? Hmm, that's a good question, Pratik. Let's play a game of association, shall we? Let me say a word first. Communication. Now, what's the first thing that comes to your head when I say that? People talking? Or maybe this? Now, what do they have in common? Like Pratik observed, they are all sounds. In fact, we are so fond of thinking of communication as being possible only through sound that we even make trees talk in our movies. I am Groot. Mm-hmm. I am Groot. Uh-huh. I am Groot. That is because, as we saw in the last episode, we are an anthropocentric bunch. Anthropos from Greek meaning human and centric being the center of. We try to look at everything through a pair of humanistic spectacles. Let's, if only for a moment, take off these glasses and peer into the world of nature, where sound is only one and by no measure the most impressive means of communication. Let's do that by first trying to define communication. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines it simply as an exchange of information. Well, nature seems to like this definition better because of the many fascinating forms this exchange of information takes. Day geckos, 
native to Madagascar, pioneered the idea of instant order takeout long before Swiggy came along. But rather than an app on their phones, they simply nod their heads at their tree hoppers. These insects then digest the sap and pass it out in a sugary liquid called honeydew right into the gecko's mouth. A few species of fish, called the weakly electric fish, such as the elephant nose fish and the black ghost knife fish, yes, probably the coolest fish names ever, these creatures produce a mild electric discharge, use it to chirp out information and to find a mate. When two of these fish meet, they are known to tweak their wavelengths in order to allow each other to produce similar levels of voltage. Let's step away from the animal world and get on to another branch of the evolutionary tree. Actually, why branch? Let's in fact look at the trees themselves. Trees use a vast underground network to send each other nutrients with the help of fungal colonies in their root system and warn their neighbours about droughts and disease. They even provide sugar to their bacterial neighbours in exchange for some nitrogen that the bacteria absorb. Sort of like borrowing a cup of sugar from your neighbour in exchange for a few cookies. Considering they've been around for over 400 million years, is it really that surprising that they've figured out a way to communicate? I will leave links to two videos in the description with a lot more information on plant communication, so please check them out. One is a primer video by Fusion, a YouTube channel, and the other is a TED talk by scientist Suzanne Simmert. With this, we come to the end of our third episode of Staring into the Light. As we dive deeper into the world of animals and plants, the sacred walls we built around humans slowly fades away. For a long time it was believed that humans had the most sophisticated system of communication. But now it doesn't seem that way anymore, does it? The next time you're trying to sleep and you hear the chirping of crickets, remember that you're listening in on a language that is 200 million years old. Until next time, keep your three H's strong. Functioning heads, empathetic hearts and skillful hands. See you soon. Hello. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Please show us some love by hitting the heart button and sharing this podcast with all your friends and family. We would love to hear from you, so add your feedback in the comment section below. And if you have questions that make you wonder, please add them in too. You could also email us at makerspace at the rate in